Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, after a recent spike in activity, one listener starts to figure out what's in his home. A friendly offer to stay the night turns out to be anything but. Could this offer have been a ploy for a demonic possession? And a mysterious man in a white tuxedo appears in a rice field and then tips his top hat at a passerby. And a young girl and her newfound love are forever separated after the burning of the Ouija board that was their only form of communication. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Is this a story of Ouija love? It is. Ouija love, Ouija love. Yeah, we've not had a story quite like that one. That's interesting. It almost sounds like it could be a nice 50s song, like or 60s song. Like a, <laughs> like a Jan and Dean song. Let's go, Ouija love! <laughs> Okay. You know, I could just I could just hear it with that those those beach sounds, if you will. You know yeah. the the groovy beach sounds of Jan and Dean. I always got Jan and Dean and the Beach Boys confused with my dad's cassettes in his truck because they sounded so darn similar. Uh huh. Did you ever listen to Jan and Dean? No, no? I never did. Do you not even know who I'm talking about? No, but you I'm don't. playing along. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Jan and Dean were around the same era. Very similar sound. Okay. To the Beach Boys, but it's obviously just two people, so it's not the same. Thing. Sure. I'm uh, off the top of my head. I can't tell you what the songs were. Uh, if I somebody said what they were, I would be. Yep, that's Janity. But again, way before our era originally, I you know was listening to them because it was something my parents listened to. So. See, and I love the Beach Boys. Oh yeah, Beach Boys are great. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another one. I you know I, you know, ten years before our time really with their their peak. But Kokomo was like the only hit song they had while we were alive. That's right. Yep. Uh, that, that was like an 80s hit, but all the, you know, surfing USA and such, those were much earlier. Yeah. Those were good. I love those. Anywho. Never about the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean. <laughs> today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, let's kick off the show today with a letter. Uh, this is a letter that was written into us by Tony and not me. Uh, a totally different Tony. This and is our friend Tony in Savannah. Oh, okay. Are we going to get to to meet Tony when we go to Savannah? We're planning on. Is he going to pop in and say hi and give us a little tour or something? I don't know if he'll have time for that. Okay. He's got some plans that he's working on for immediately 
after we get there. So okay. our window is small, but we're hoping that it'll work out. Stop by for a beverage or something and we can chat yeah. a little bit. That'd be fun. And we're going to be in Savannah, actually, because we've, we've talked about this a little bit but uh, on the air, but that's going to be the 31st? 31st and the 1st. Okay. So any uh, any listeners out there in Savannah, uh, feel free to uh, to email Jenny at realghoststoriesonline, J-E-N-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, and uh, let us know if you're around and you want to talk about ghosts, because we could all uh, find a place to uh, all meet up and uh, have a beverage and chat ghosts in person. That'd be fun. That would be a lot of fun. If we have enough folks, maybe even we'll bring our little microphone along and do a show right there somewhere. We could try. That could be kind of fun. Yeah. So, Savannah listeners, uh, shoot us an email. We'd love to uh, to chat. Uh, again, back to the letter. Tony writes in, Hey, Tony and Jenny, this is Tony from Savannah with an update. I may have found out the reason why we've had a spike in activities as of late. My middle daughter had just spent the night with her grandmother, whom I've stated lives next door. Now to give a little history. My mother-in-law's home was just the second home built on what was farmland. Now my mother in uh, my mother-in-law's father was a first-generation immigrant from Greece. My mother-in-law was a change of life baby, meaning her parents had her early in their 60s. A real Is that even possible? It can be, yeah. You can have a child in your 60s? Well, depending on when the woman goes through the change of life. So I could still get a little brother or sister, possibly? <laughs> it it varies from person to person, but it's not unheard of for in their 50s or, I guess, even early 60s. I didn't know that. I learned something new about the reproductive system today on the show. I don't know how common it is for women in their 60s to still have a cycle. Well, I think that I stops... In the mid-50s. Maybe I'll get a little brother or sister. Who knows? <laughs> a real surprise considering the child above her was almost 20 years old. He fought in World War One and had a business on uh, Boughton Street in downtown Savannah. Did I say that right? Broughton Street? I think it's Broughton. Broughton Street in downtown Savannah. He even met and did business with Henry Ford. The Ford family still owns property out in Richmond Hill, Georgia, a Savannah suburb. Because of being in the war, he lost hearing in both ears, crossed Broughton Street, and got hit by a milk truck. He died that day, and the driver was never found. His items have been passed around the family, one to the next, until it finally got to my mother-in-law, one of, my, one of uh, only two sisters left. Her older sister is 87 years old. My daughter came home with the usual assortment of goodies and a porcelain doll on a stand. We immediately noticed some subtle activity. Right after writing you my story, I began to investigate items brought in and dug deeper into family history. Since family on both sides was around, I began to inquire. I received lots of information. I asked my grandmother on my mom's side of the family about the curse she said my great-grandmother knew a lot about the curse, but unfortunately, she passed away in 1996. My grandmother seems to not know much about the curse, but I always thought my great-grandmother's death, death was a little weird. Remember the week before she died, she seemed to be in perfect health. My mother's father was stabbed to death in New York City, where my mom's side of the family is from. And almost six years ago, my mom and stepson tragically died in a car accident. Fast forward to 2013, my first cousin loses his father. My grandparents and my dad's side of the family die within two weeks of each other. I found this podcast around that same time. But all I know about the curse thus far is a family member visited New Orleans and a curse ensued shortly after. 
I guess most of the information about the curse died with my great-grandmother. When my mother's father was murdered, my mom moved from New York and moved right across the street from where my father lived. So I had grandparents on both sides of the street. Ever since building my home on this land, there has always been a slight uneasiness feeling. I got rid of the doll, and things have seemed to subside for the last five or six days. The last thing my youngest daughter said she heard was something outside her window say, We are a mirror image, and nothing else has occurred since. And that was after getting rid of the doll, which I found out was nearly 70 years old. I think my mother-in-law has something, maybe a few things, that have something tied to them in her home next door. That might explain the Native American girl in the backyard. The blanket that belonged to my brother-in-law was from my mother-in-law, fa- my mother-in-law's father's shop. I still, I'm still on high alert. I will be for a while. If I can nail down some concrete facts on the curse, I'll update you guys. You guys have the best podcast ever. I think the blanket he's referring to in a previous email was it belonged to the brother-in-law when he was a child and they kept trying to get rid of it and it kept showing back up. Okay. So it sounds like maybe he's on to something as far as figuring out what's going on. And I know that had to have been hard to get rid of that doll that's been in the family for so long, but if you suspect that there might be the cause, I think that was probably a good idea. Would you just put it in a storage unit? We've talked about that before. Or would that really get rid of the curse? Do you really have to get it out of your theoretical possession? Because it's still in your possession even if it's in a storage locker. It's just not, you know, in your immediate presence. I don't know. I don't know what it it, would require for the curse to be uh, broken if that item had to be destroyed or just not physically near you for things to happen. Or then if you destroy it, does the curse then go on to someone else. See, I have yeah. no idea how that works. I think aren't curses pretty different? I mean... I don't know. I didn't know if there's a general way curses work or if it's just however you want it to work, you can make it work that way. We should get a curseologist on the show to talk about this. And There is no such thing as that. <laughs> Curseology 101. There's got to be something. I mean, it's probably witchcraft or something of that nature that that could fall into some curses. Although voodoo's a lot of that. I don't know. I don't know. There's got to be something where it's it's the study of curses, isn't isn't there? I don't know. Maybe I will find out because I'm taking a magic and witchcraft college course this semester. So hopefully, I'll find some of those answers out. Um. I just Googled the study of curses, and it doesn't. It just gives me the Wikipedia word on curse. So I'm just going to see if it popped up with something. Curseology. I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> there you go. New word coined tonight. Uh, Allison writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I have shared my story about when I babysat my friend's kids that the little boy's ghost kept running back and forth to the rooms. I want to tell you some other stuff that happened in that same house. My friend had been uh, married for a long time, and she never removed her wedding ring. One day, when she woke up, her wedding, her wedding ring was not on her finger. She thought that maybe she had removed them during the night and sat them on the nightstand. She looked everywhere, in her bed, under the bed, in the kitchen. She called her mom and was telling her she couldn't find them. Said. Her mom asked her, are you sure you didn't take them to the jeweler to have them cleaned? And she was positive she didn't. She went back to the bedroom and tore everything apart, looking for them, and finally sat on the bed and started crying and saying out loud that her husband was going to be upset about this. 
Then she looked up and there it sat, right on her nightstand where she had looked before but was not there. She also told me that they had a heating blanket on their bed and she always turned it on at night during the winter months. During the night it would either get real cold or real hot. When it got cold she would look over and it would be off. Then when it got hot it would be turned up all the way to high. She knew that the cat or dogs or kids weren't playing around with it because she didn't turn it on until just before she went to bed. Finally, when she had enough of it, she said out loud to the ghost boy to stop playing with it, and it didn't happen again. The ghost boy was always playing tricks on her, hiding things and having them reappear someplace else. Her middle son would wake up screaming because he would see uh, just a man's head looking at him. She would always have a hard time putting him to bed at night. After a year of living in that house, they finally moved out and everything was fine. Nothing else happened. Thanks for reading my story. I'll write again soon. Love your show. Allison in California. I wonder if anything else still happened in that house after they left to the next family or if it ceased with them leaving or if things followed them. I'm just curious on That's that. That's always the interesting thing with the ghosts. You never know exactly what they're going to do. No. If it's a following ghost, if it's... Do you think they have a, a choice? Do you think if it's a... if it's a Not an evil entity, but if it's just a, like a person ghost, do you think they have the option of, I'm going to follow this family, or I'm, are they stuck in the house without much choice? I think at least some of them have the choice because look at Sarah. She was stuck in a school until she found David and then. That's true. How did that come about? Well, remember he found this old school that was abandoned, kind of like you did. Yeah. And he went into it. Something just kind of, it just, he was just intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. And ever since then he had noticed things happening and she started to appear and that was the that was what he pinpointed it to was it was when he went to that school and I think he took some pictures or whatever I forgot that part of the story that was so long ago yeah so she followed him and have followed them from not only to where he lived at the time but Mm -hmm. to their family home now so would you have been mad at me if I would have brought a ghost girl home from that school when I was walking around taking pictures in it if it had just been just a ghost girl and not something b- pretending to be a girl, probably Like fine. one we could get DVDs for and... A Sarah, I really like that. I would have been fine with a Sarah, yes. The girls could play with the ghost girl? I would be fine with a Sarah, but nothing else. <laughs> Shame that school is gone now. It's completely torn down. Oh, darn. <laughs> Although I think the... Uh, it, it, I, I've not been onto the property since they tore it down, mm-hmm. but in the gym... What they had, uh, do you remember like back in the day, and this is like way before us, but we saw these as children in a lot of places, um, like on the linoleum tile floors, there was like the hopscotch things built in, uh-huh. uh, you know, like the numbers and there was some other games and stuff that were like on the floors. Uh-huh. Those were on the floors in this gym of that of that school and it was just it was really weird going through it just because you you know you envisioned the kids that were playing on there and all that and when they tore all that down i i think that gym floor is still just sitting there oh really on that plot of land because the concrete block is still there when i drive by i see it so i know they scraped out you know all the the debris up so i'm sure it's you know scraped to death but Mm -hmm. i wonder if some of those things are still 
huh. if the the linings of the hallways are still there because the foundation has not been taken out. Okay. It's really interesting. If you want to see what I'm talking about, there's uh, I think it's it's called Ghost School. I know I, I think I put it up on the website at some point in time. Um, I know it's on our YouTube channel, um, and it's just it's a creepy old school. I used to drive by, and they were about to bulldoze, and in fact, they were bulldozing it as I was walking through it. That's always a good idea. I had to get a hard hat on and permission from the construction crew to go into it, uh-huh. and they said, yeah, you can go through it. Just don't go past this door, because we're going to destroy everything from this point on today, but the rest of the school is fine. You can wander through it. So I did that, and it's something out of a nightmare. Like the speakers on the wall, you know, remember the old speakers mm-hmm. you look up with the announcements, they're laying on the ground and this and that. And I, I, I didn't want, I don't like take things from places, but since the place was being torn down and everything was just going to be destroyed anyhow, I did take one thing and I just took a door number. Uh-huh. So I have a door number from that school and it was kind of neat. I, don't, I think it's in, in here somewhere. I don't know. It's on my shelf of random shit, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I took from the school. But anyway, it's a really creepy video. I put some creepy music to it. You can check it out on the website. Let's go to a caller. Uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to James in Virginia. Hi, guys. Um, my name is James. I uh, I had a very strange experience. This is the only paranormal experience I've ever had um, that I can recall. I uh, was living... I live in Virginia, and... In Virginia, there's a small town called Lynchburg. Well, my mother was living there at the time. And when we would have, my parents were divorced, and when I would go and see my mother, she actually had a, it was almost like a split foyer, except it was, it was kind of like a duplex that had, except it had a finished basement as well. And somebody lived on the finished basement, and then somebody lived on the, uh, on the left. We lived on the right. And it was obviously an older house. Um, I'm not quite sure of an age. I never really did any research into the house. Like I said, I was very, very young. I was probably nine, 10, 11. Um, and it was, it was very frightening. Um, the one experience I have, we were, she was, my mother was about to move. Now, the whole time we had been there, I had never had any experience, nothing. The whole time I lived there, I never saw anything, nothing moved, nothing. And while I was there, the night my mother was going to move the next day, we had started to pack some things up and get ready. And that night, I was just sleeping on the couch because we had packed up the beds and the mattresses. So I was sleeping on the couch, and so was my sister. My mother had two couches, a love seat and a regular couch and I was sleeping on the regular couch my sister was on the love seat we're sleeping and I woke up and I looked up the stairs the living room was down at the bottom and the stairs were right beside the living room you could look straight up and I looked up and I saw this black figure now I thought at first it was just me sleeping, but then I realized I, 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 it really started to sink in once I started to wake up more, and I just felt fear. And it didn't look like it was looking at me. I, I couldn't make out any eyes. I could make out a silhouette, 
I could make out, uh, it looked like just the shape of a head with a neck and shoulders, and it seemed to move down the stairs. I was, I was freaked out. I was. I was really scared. I, I couldn't even say anything because I was so frightened. I couldn't even scream. I couldn't yell for help, nothing. And I just saw this thing moving down the stairs. And then as it's moving down the stairs, it started to evaporate almost. Like it, it, from the bottom up, it started to disappear. And just, it was gone. And I threw the covers over my head because I didn't know what else to do. I was nine, ten, and I, I I blacked out because the next thing I remember it was morning. So I I don't know what happened after that. I just know that the next thing I remember it was morning. I never told anybody my experience, and for a while I thought I was dreaming. But as I thought about it more and more, I could still see that figure clear as day. I can see the house. I can see the stairs. I can see everything like it was just yesterday. And it was probably one of the scariest um, experiences I've ever had. Ever since then, nothing's ever bothered me. Ever since then, nothing's ever come near me. Um, I'll admit I am a Christian, and you know nothing has ever... I've never had any demonic forces bother me or influence me or anything like that. So I've always wondered what that was or what happened there. For a while, I thought it may have been a shadow person, but two of the descriptions that that come with shadow people is either one that's wearing like a hood cloak type thing or somebody that's wearing like a, a top hat or fedora or something like that. And this being, whatever it was, wasn't wearing either one of those. Uh, The bottom looked like it was wearing the cloak part, but I could see the head. It didn't look like it had the hood of the cloak on. Um, And it didn't look like it was looking at me or any type of contact with me. It just looked like it was walking straight down the stairs and then disappeared. So I just wanted to share that with you, and hopefully you guys use this on the show, or you know, or you can contact me. Whatever you got to do. Um, if you do need to contact me, it's four three four. And there we go. <laughs> but uh, thank you for the call and uh, and sharing your story with us. Um, it, not always are shadow people wearing fedoras and capes. No, it can absolutely be a shadow person that just is a silhouette of a person, not necessarily, you can't really see articles of clothing. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. But, you know, way back when I first started on the show with you, we had a couple of stories where people were moving and they'd always suspected of things, you know, in their place where they lived but it wasn't until they were literally like the last night in the place that they actually saw the figure and it was kind of a like a confirmation to them or the figure was like I'm going to show you I'm really here and I think maybe that might be the case with this story was that it was just wanting to say hey yep I was here peace out (laughs) not necessarily something dark i mean i could see anyone going through a paranormal experience kind of walking away from it feeling like that was something really dark and evil just because of the nature of seeing a paranormal entity um but it didn't really 
exude any characteristics of being an evil thing. No. You know, in that specific story. It's not to say that it couldn't have been, but the fact that it didn't really do anything dark other than just present itself. And that may be all it intended on doing. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting story. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing that with us. If you have a real ghost story, you, of course, can call in as well. Our phone number is 855-853-4802. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Let's go to a letter. Our next one uh, comes into us from Erica. Erica says, My experience happened about three years ago. I had just arrived back to my hometown after a day-long trip with friends. After I just dropped them off at home, I decided to meet up with a couple of other friends that were at the bar. At the end of the night, one friend of mine had told me she did not have a ride home, so I offered her a ride, and she offered me to stay the night at her place. As soon as we arrived to her place, we went to bed. She had a futon as a bed that was pushed against a wall, and the other side was next to a door. She had a very small room, might I add. I slept on the side against the wall, and she slept beside me. It didn't take very long for her to fall asleep, but I just could not get myself to fall asleep. After some time, my friend began breathing very loudly, almost as if she was trying to blow her breath at me. Along with that, there was this horrific smell that just made my stomach turn. Instantly, I thought it was from her breath and that she was snoring very strangely. But soon after that, she began muttering swear words and strange things you would never hear anyone say. My first reaction was to laugh because it's not very often I get to hear someone talk in their sleep. However, I started to feel like something was wrong. I remember looking away for a minute and then turning again towards her, and instead of seeing her, I saw a form of something that was not human that was just above her. I was so scared that all I could do was stare at it in shock. The creature then lunged at me and quickly turned my body to, then I quickly turned my body to dodge its lunge and it disappeared. Then I looked back to see if it was still there. That night I did not sleep a wink. I just remember I remember praying over her and over again to ask God to protect me because I honestly believed what I saw was a demon. I can't honestly tell you if what happened was just a dream, but it did feel too real for it to be a dream. I don't believe that the demon was after me, but more than likely following my friend because I never experienced anything like that since then, and I hope I never have to ever again. That just doesn't sound right. Do you tell your friend about that? Hey, thanks for letting me stay the night. This futon was really comfy. And oh, by the way, there was a demon hanging out over you last night. I dodged it so it didn't get me. But I don't know. You might want to watch out for that because uh demon might be out to get you. Are those Cocoa Krispies? You know, maybe. I, I kind of thought maybe that whatever's possessing the friend might have been what was truly suggesting for her to stay the night. With that in mind. Oh. So are you saying that the friend was maybe overtaken? Maybe. After a couple beverages? Maybe. That's kind of what I was wondering. Okay. That's an interesting thought. I don't know. Just to make itself known or to try and get after this person? Yeah. I want to know what happened with the friend. I want to know if this was ever brought up in conversation and how that conversation went. 
Yeah. That's what I'm most interested in here. I mean, I wonder what the friend could, if the friend could shed any light on it or if their friend would be like, yeah, you're really freaking crazy and I'm never going to talk to you again. I don't know how you would break that into conversation. Hey, I think you just might be possessed. I don't know how that conversation would go because, I mean, especially if the friend is completely oblivious to it, you would think your friend was insane. You would. If just your friend came up to you, hey, I swear to God, there was a demon hanging over you last night. I would think my friend had something wrong with them. Yeah. I would not be so easy to go, oh, oh, I talk about ghosts all the time. There must be a demon over me. I think you're kind of freaking losing it. Yeah. If I had no evidence of it to myself. But if there was some evidence, I'd be like, really? You know, then I'd want to know more of what they saw. But if it was just like completely out of the blue. I'd be like, I think it just hinges on the type of friendship you have. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that would play a big part in it, too. How close are you with that friend? Yeah. That's, that, that's a big part. If I told you there was a demon hanging over you. I would have to believe you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't make that one up. No. I, I mean, for like a minute, and then you'd look at me strangely, and I'd kind of have that smirk. You'd be like, you asshole. But you would know. I mean, if it was serious, you would know. I would know. Yeah. 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Uh, caller in New York. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I've been listening to your podcast for a while. I'm thinking about becoming an extra podcast person. Um, I have a quick story. Um, It didn't happen to me, but it happened to my cousin. And my mother and grandmother were there, and they were a little spooked out, so they told me about it. Um, We were in, they were in New York, in my cousin's house that she grew up in. She actually bought it from my uncle, and my grandparents would come there for the holidays with all of us. And my grandfather passed away about eight years ago now. And about two years after he passed away, they were in my cousin's room, and they have a music box that he gave my cousin uh, when she was little. You know, you open it up and it has a little dancing girl on it, you know. Well, it stopped working probably 30 years ago. My cousin's about 45 now or whatever. It stopped working a long time ago. Well... They said, please send us a sign. They were praying to my grandfather in their room, saying, we miss you, love you, and they were looking at the music box. And they said, please send us a sign that you're okay. We all want to know you're okay. And we've asked many a times. I've asked myself, too. Never really had any signs from him. So I don't know what that's about. But all of a sudden, they walk out of the room, and the music box starts playing. The music box was still closed. It wasn't open. Um, So those normally don't work until the top open so it started playing um i think that was definitely a sign um I, she was the firstborn, my cousin cherry so definitely think that uh, because she asked and she might have been possibly the favorite that he sent his sign to her a little spooky but very cool my grandfather was a great man thank you very much love listening to your show and i'll definitely call in with a few more little stories i have actually one for myself later on thank you I think that was a sign. There's not too many things that can make a music box that's been dead for 30 years suddenly start playing with the lid closed. That's usually the undead. That's usually a good sign that they're showing up. That's a nice way, though, to say, hey, yeah, I'm here, instead of just, like, showing up like, boo, you know. I always found the music of music boxes very unsettling. 
yeah, I I didn't mind it until uh, that music sound from The Conjuring. I didn't mind it till about after the age of four. <laughs> Previous, I didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge of ghosts or paranormal. Mm-hmm. I had one that was a fairly harmless kind of Christmas theme music box, and it was fun. It made a little Christmas song. I forgot what it played. It the Jingle Bells or something. Uh-huh. It was fun. It was peaceful. I liked that one. That was only I think that was like the only music box I've ever not been creeped out by. Because uh, it's the only ones I knew. After that, I think any music box I ever heard was always just very, I don't know. They, they get out of tune so easily, and they kind of start sounding slightly odd and off, and there's something that just, you know... Whenever you kind of change the pitch of a song just slightly, and inevitably music boxes are always going to be slightly off pitch, uh, it just, you know... Or when it's just almost completely wound down and it's going really Bing. slow. Boom. Yeah. Bing. I had one, and this... I did, I guess I did kind of start to find mine a little bit creepy later in later years, but when it was playing normally, I still, it's kind of a warm, happy sound because um, it's from such early in childhood. But um, in later years, it would like suddenly randomly play um, like just a couple notes out of nowhere. Uh-huh. It would sit on my shelf and I hadn't wound it up forever. And all of a sudden you'd just be sitting there and all of a sudden, bing. Bong. Done. That's it. <laughs> you know, and it was like, you know, a couple notes to Jingle Bells. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's odd. But I mean, really, it's just probably the springs in it that were getting, you know, wound down and over the years just kind of, you know, worn out with age. Sure. At least that's what I tell myself. So I had a porcelain doll that you could wind the back and it would play like a music box. Oh, that's really creepy. Yeah, it never did anything weird and I still have it. Did it ever just kind of randomly play notes at all? No, never did anything weird. Is that weird that it does that out of nowhere? It did it a lot. Well, if it did it a lot, then it wasn't weird. It was something with the music But I didn't wind it up very much. Then I don't know. It was very weird. It was super haunted, and it's followed you. It was the devil, Tony. It was the devil. (laughs) (laughs) And it's still following you. I think one of them's actually in the box of shit my mother brought us one day. Which box? I don't Because <laughs> my mom, she brings us like all sorts of my old toys and everything. And I go through them eventually and kind of weed out the stuff I want to keep and the stuff I want to get rid of. Um, I don't know. I, I, I could have sworn I saw it in one of them once, but I, I haven't seen it since. So it must be out there somewhere. I don't know. Okay. But uh, it's haunting our garage. Forever out there in the garage and suddenly I hear the bing. <laughs> I'm going to be really creeped out. Uh, Bernadette writes in, Hey guys, love the show. I'm a newbie in the uh, to the podcast and I've been listening uh, straight for three days. I decided I should probably share a ghost story from my mom told me when I was a child, even when I tell her to tell the story again years later for old time's sake. The story has not changed. I'm from, uh, you got to help me with this, uh, Adelaide, Australia. Is that right? Uh, A-D-E-L-A-I-D-E. Adelaide? Adelaide. Adelaide. Ha <laughs> ha! Simple names I can't say. And have Filipino background. I'm horrible with 
any sort of name. I know, but I'm, I'm not going to weed out a good story because okay. you can't say things. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't expect you to. I just want you to pronounce it correctly for me. <laughs> In the Philippines, there, my culture is very superstitiously orientated. Uh, so when something odd happens, it is usually taken as a sign or true to the core. So here we go. When my mom was younger, living in the Philippines, she lived with her mother in a mountainous region known as, another word. I don't know on that one. Hinatilian. I'm going to say that. Hinatilian. A lot of weird things happen here all of the time, seemingly. If you're writing stories, write it out phonetically for me. (laughs) In parentheses. In parentheses. Sound it out. So I can sound it out like a third grader. That would help me. She told me of this one story that was, uh, for lack of a better word, eerie is all heck. She and her two brothers were coming back from going into town to do some grocery shopping. It was late and getting dark by this time, and they were coming up on a main dirt road heading homeward bound. They also had a buffalo with them as they lived on a farm, and it was loaded with all the grocery bags. Oh, kind of like Oregon Trail. No, a water buffalo. Okay. <laughs> Not an oxen? Not an oxen that gets scurvy and dies. Okay. Walking past a giant rice field, the buffalo stopped and began grunting and refused to move any further. The mum, being impatient, was trying to urge the animal forward to no avail. Looking around and at the path, thinking it might have been a snake or something scaring the animal, but they found nothing. Upon searching around for what was freaking the animal out, my mom happened to glance out to the rice field to see a figure standing in the middle of the main field. Focusing, she finally noticed that the figure was a man. Freakishly tall, thin, wearing a full white tuxedo. The whole deal, like top hat and tails. My mom froze in motion for her two brothers to see if they saw what she was seeing. They both did, and both were terrified. The man smiled very creepily at my mom and her brothers, tipping his top hat to their direction, knowing they shouldn't talk to strangers, as well as being sufficiently freaked uh, freaked the hell out. She hit the back of the buffalo to force it to move. It finally did, with the extra prompting and lunging forward into a sprint towards the house, further way down the road. My mom and her brothers could not keep up and trailed behind the huge animal. It was now that my mom noticed the man was standing in the middle of the rice field wearing a complete white tux but was covered with no mud. The mud in his legs and black shiny shoes just completely devoid of any mud at all. It's a rice field. It's rice shoots, knee-high water, and a crapload of mud. How did the man get into the middle of the field and somehow manage to get zero mud on him? To which I question years later, how were my mom and her brothers able to see his shiny black shoes if the water and mud was knee-deep? Shudders, still to this day. This story, especially the creepy smile and tilt of the figure's top hat, gets me every time. Sorry that my story was so long, I have many more she has told me about back home and even some I have experienced right here in Australia. Thank you for all that you guys do. Sometimes just knowing you're not alone in your suffering makes it all the easier to cope. Also to know you're not insane. Keep up the good work. Okay, was the figure freakishly tall or was he just appearing to be freakishly tall because he was actually floating? On water? Yeah. I'm going to go with floating on water if they saw the shoes. Yeah. So if he was just like kind of standing there. And on on top of the mud and, and yeah. water and everything. That's but, not an ending to Oregon Trail. I remember it all. No, but I don't 
I don't know. Something tells me that this wasn't necessarily a bad figure. If it chose to be an all-white... Seemed kind of friendly. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. I don't know what its purpose was or what it was doing <laughs> We've there. had some other stories about entities around uh, rice fields. Okay. I can't tell you when we read them. I don't remember what they were about. But oh. they were weird things in rice fields that people saw standing out in the paddies. Okay. And as uh, fairly similar to this. Do you remember that scary, like, shapeshifter one that Ren wrote in that took place in the Philippines? And they were out walking, and the water buffalo they had with them. That's probably the one I'm remembering. Off. It took off, and they never saw it again. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember all the details of it, but I do re- that's probably what I'm referencing. Yeah, I remember that. What is it with the rice fields? Is there a lot of deaths in the rice fields? I have no idea. Is there not good things that have happened there? I don't know. And maybe I'm just being completely ignorant, and I apologize if I am. Um, but uh, I wonder if there's something to that. I don't know. Well, what, what's the history of the land? And again, the the top hat and the white suit. See, that just doesn't fit. Yeah. That just doesn't fit at all. And that's what's really you know, intriguing about that. Yeah. I would say it has something to do with, you know, the water standing there because essentially it's going to be a shallow water area where, mm-hmm. you know, the rice is going to grow. I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. The fact that it's not like a deep, deep um, I don't know. body of water or anything like that, but it kind of a shallow area. Who knows? Let me I'm, tell you some stories about the ghosts of the cranberry bogs oh, in Wisconsin. Here we go. <laughs> when I was a wee young lad. Walking uphill both ways in the snow with no shoes? Yes. Okay. With a herd of cats. Calicos. Pulling my sleigh. Let's read a real ghost near story. Near Black River Falls, Wisconsin. Come on. Past the ocean spray cranberry bog. And in the midnight. <laughs> So I think I can think of that's remotely com- comparable, and it's not really that comparable. Have you ever seen a cranberry bog? No. Nope. It's pretty cool. Just a giant field of cranberries. Yeah. They are really neat. I'll take you there sometime. Okay. We'll steal some cranberries. <laughs> George writes in, hello, guys. My name is George from Oxnard, California. I, a new listener, and I have to say you guys have an awesome show. This is a story that takes place in Mexico. I was about nine years old when everything happens. My mom used to have what you guys call sleep paralysis. While sleeping, her body would completely freeze, and she'd feel as she described a body getting in uh, on top of me. Uh, also, she would tell me that her grandmother, who passed away when I was five years old, would communicate with her. We were living in a two-story house, all made of concrete. The house had and still does have a concrete ladder as well. At night, around 2 a.m., I would hear footsteps coming up from the first floor. Right at the end of the ladder was my room. So when I used to hear this footstep, I would wait and expect someone to pass through my room. But nobody would. It was pretty scary around this particular time. It was when my mom would have sleep paralysis and communicate with my grandmother. One night when I was asleep, I heard the footsteps and looked toward my door as usual, but this particular night I saw a black shadow pass by towards my mother's room. I was so scared and in shock that I couldn't talk for minutes. However, I was able to react and run to my mother's room. I tried to wake her up, but she wasn't responding. It wasn't until I started to pray that's when she woke up and thanked me. She said that her grandmother was on top of her. 
This is only the beginning of the story. There's many, there's uh, much more to it, which I would tell you guys in another occasion. But let me tell you guys real quick that what happened to my sister, my sister was so obsessed with the Ouija board. She told me that a guy named Charles was so in love with her. She was so obsessed with playing the Ouija board that we had to take it away and burn it. I know, huge mistake. Later that night, my sister was so upset about that, she went to bed crying. Guys, I would never forget that night. Around midnight, I heard my sister screaming, running up the stairs. When we asked her what happened, she couldn't answer and cried and cried all night long without saying a word. Later the next day, she told us around midnight I was sleeping when I heard someone knock on my window. When I asked who it was, someone responded, I'm your grandmother, Lolita. Lolita was my grandmother, the same spirit that was haunting my mother. I don't know if it was the Ouija guy trying to communicate with her, faking it was my mom's grandmother, or in fact it was my mom's grandmother itself. After that night, everything got worse, but that's another story, and they leave us hanging. Oh, I hate it when they leave us hanging. I wanted to hear more about the little girl and yeah. Charlie, which probably was not really truly a young man that was in love with her. It was probably something dark. Do you think it was the grandmother that was trying to knock on the window trying to warn her about Charlie? Or do you think it was Charlie, whatever Charlie was, taking the form of Lolita to try and get into her room? I'm going to go with that one, that it was something trying to use the helpless grandmotherly figure to gain entry. Do you think the mother was actually communicating with the grandmother? I don't know. I've never heard of sleep paralysis where you're able to communicate with somebody that you've lost. Yeah, that's usually you're kind of stuck there and getting freaked out by uh, some sort of figure. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't sound like a grandmotherly thing to do. Yeah, very interesting story, and we would love to hear more, so please do uh, consider writing back in the uh, the rest of that story. Our number is 855-853-4802. If you want more ghost stories, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get the bonus episodes every single week. Up to 21 bonus episodes right now when you sign up. They come directly to you right away. You don't have to wait for the weekend. Uh, that email comes out automatically to you, and then, of course, you're on the list for uh, the uh, latest episodes every single week as we release them every Saturday. New email comes directly to you. And I want to remind you, if you do sign up, please be sure to check your spam filters and such for those emails because uh, they have a tendency to end up in those lovely places. And Google now has like eight different, you know, spam-esque folders, promotions and offers and this and that, and we end up in like all of them. So uh, search your inbox because chances are you will find us somewhere. <laughs> I just need to say that because I get that question like 20 times a week. Uh, so please uh, do sign up. You'll love it. Uh, it's a lot of really, really good stories in our EPP programs. So go to one of those calls. Let's uh, now go to uh, Jason in Virginia. Hey, this is Jason. I called and messed up on my story, so I'm going to call back. I'm going to get into my story. So basically, I moved into a house when I was about eight years old after my parents got divorced. And it was a nice little home in Chesapeake, Virginia, as I said, and I, I was around eight years old. So anyways, one night I was sleeping in my bed and I must have been nine, but I remember I moved there at eight. So I was around nine or 10. I, I woke to a breeze on my face, kind of like a slight breeze, like someone was blowing on my face. And I kind of figured, you know, it was my sister's messing with me. So I kind of just brushed it off and, you know, mumbled to go away. 
And anyways, it happened again around, you know, 15 minutes later when I started to go unconscious again. This time, you know, I slapped my face kind of. I just remember slapping my, my face. I don't remember much about this, but I remember I did slap my face and it kind of stung. So I, I kind of sat up and looked around my room and my eyes were adjusted. So, and I, and to the left of my bed where the door was, like my door and my closet door right next to each other, I could see kind of a, a skinny, dark figure. And, and it, you know, people describe these, these things as shadow people and it really, like I was so scared when I saw it. like I, I, all I could remember thinking was oh my god oh my god and it, and it seemed really skinny like I only caught a glance at it before I jumped under my covers but I remember it was kind of skinny and it was sitting on the floor and it wasn't doing very much and I, I you know I couldn't tell if it was looking at me because I couldn't really see anything all I could see you know it was a figure so I kind of just you know went under my blanket covered my ears and and went back to bed so yeah that was that was probably the one of the weirdest things that happened to me uh but the next thing I'm going to tell you is uh, very, very worse. In my, uh, it's actually kind of something really sad that happened to me and my mom and my stepdad. And so, anyways, when I was around 10 years old, I was sleeping in the basement of my sister's room, and I remember my parents were out at the bar uh, that night because you know my stepdad used to do like shows. He would do lights for a band that he would work with. Anyways, they had gotten home around 2 a.m. And I remember getting up and then they made me go back to bed and around, I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep. So I, I got up around three o'clock cause I was really thirsty. And as I'm walking up the basement stairs, I hear a beep. So I kind of figured, you know, my parents were in the kitchen and they were like, you know, making coffee or something. I don't know why I thought that, but I, I don't even remember what I saw really. I just, I just figured someone was in the kitchen. So as I walked through the door, I could hear the microwave going, and I, I kind of just froze there because no one was in the kitchen. It was just a really, really weird thing to happen. It was like, I don't know, it was it was wicked. And anyway, so I, I kind of just look at the microwave, and I see that it's on, and, you know, the lights inside of it are on. And, and I just kind of, I, it took me a while, probably 10, 15 seconds, to slowly move towards the microwave because... You know, I, I, I had really bad problems with horror movies when I was a kid, and I was so scared of anything like this. So anyways, I walked over to the microwave, and I could see a picture was in the microwave, and I stopped the microwave really, you know, slowly, and it was a picture of my dog, Lambo, who actually was a pit bull um, back then. And... I just took it out and, and put it on the counter and I, I went back to bed and I had woken up to find out that my dog had passed away in the morning. My parents told me, uh, my parents told me a couple of weeks later that he had died and they, they didn't, they didn't know why he just passed away. And it was, it was really tough. And you know, I, it, it's not very hard to talk about now because it's been a while. But I do, I really do miss that, miss that dog. Thank you for listening to my story. I love you guys' the show. Keep it up, please. I'm going to be subscribing soon because, uh, you know, you guys deserve the money. So, yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for sharing your story with us. So, that's creepy. That's very messed up. That there's a picture of the dog being cooked in the microwave. And then the dog ends up being dead the next morning. Hmm. Something bad is happening there. That's very, I don't even know what to say. It's just very, very bizarre. Yeah. 
I love the dog's name though, Lambo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's 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 good. Uh, is he Wisconsin? He's in Virginia, but Virginia. But you yeah. can be a Packers fan anywhere. Exactly. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. That's our phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online to share your real ghost story with us. We of course would absolutely love to hear it. Let's go over to uh, Michael in Washington uh, here at Real Ghost Stories online. Give me one second, and we will here from Michael. Yes, let's hear your ghost story, Mike. Hey, guys. Thanks for the show. This is Michael from Washington State. I'm just calling to tell you my story. My story started out, and I lived in the base. I start. I moved in the basement at a friend's house. It was one room, big living room, one bathroom. Perfect. No problem. Didn't have a kitchen, but hey, I could cook other means. Anyways, the day I walked down there was creeped out, creeped me out, but it was affordable. 200 bucks. Anyways, I lived there for about a year, or, or well, actually two years, and every night I used to get a cold chill down my back. And it was the same time every night. Watch TV after work, whatever. It was the same thing. And one night, uh, I had a choke chain that was, you know, mental dog chain hanging off my door. It started swinging and beating against the door. My door was metal. And it was really, you could really hear it. And so I stopped it. And by the time I could turn around and walked back, back to my couch I started doing it again that kind of really creeped me out so I took it off the door and put it on my top of my refrigerator but I moved out of that place and about two years later me and my fiance showed up over there and she's a sensitive I didn't know that at the time but she is and Anyways, we walked down there because my friend said we, he had a wedding present for us down there, and so we went out to go check it out. I didn't want to go down there. I never told her story or nothing or nothing about anything. But I went ahead and went down, and we stand there looking at it, and cool, you know, it's a nice stereo, blah, blah, blah. And she said, who's that? I'm like, who's who? She said, a man and dog just walked in the, to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, bull crap. We went in there and there was nobody there. So, anyways, we got done doing what we was doing. We want, went upstairs and we talked to my buddy Rick and she told him what she seen. And he's like, oh, I forgot to tell you. I'm like, tell me what? He said, the guy that used to live here that before we bought the house, he fell down the stairs and landed on his dog, killed him by breaking his neck and killed his dog by landing on him. Anyways, that was kind of creepy. Somebody that walked in not knowing anything about the place and me living there for four years having these cold chills every night and then dog chain swinging 
Yeah, that kind of creeped me out a bit, a little bit. But after that, me and my fiance got married, and then we started a, a paranormal company. So I got more stories for you. I'll fill you in on that later. More creepy stories, I guarantee you. Thanks for your show. I love listening to it every night after work. And keep doing what you're doing. Good night. Okay. What kind of bad luck does that poor dog have? (laughs) That its owner (laughs) fell down the stairs and landed on it and killed it and killed him. That's awful. And then tonight... A couple bad luck dog stories in a row here. Yeah. Would you want to know if you were going to rent a place that somebody had died in, whether or not it was, you know, um, by their own hand, or it was an accident, or murder, would it make a difference? I would want to know, and yes, it would make a difference. Okay. Um... I don't know. As far as how I would react in, in the different ways, I think if it was a murder, I would be much more uncomfortable than if it was by someone's own hand. Okay. I don't know why. I, I don't know. how. So don't ask me because I don't really have an explanation. But I think a, a murder, you know, that was taking place, just kind of shocking people, it tends to come out of nowhere when you get murdered. You don't really expect to get murdered. Um. I would just think that that would have a lot of unfinished energy right there to it. Um, if it's a suicide, yeah, there still could be some unfinished energy there, but the person who's doing it, in, in a lot of cases, it's somewhat premeditated. Okay. So it's not such a shocking instance, you know. But see, to me, a murdered would, not neither are good. No, I would I would have definite issues living someplace where somebody had murdered, but I think I'd have even more issues where somebody had killed themselves. Yeah? I think so, because I would be taking into account all the negative energy yeah. that would have had to have been there. Sure. And after doing this show enough, mm-hmm. was it something that they neither, yeah. did, or was it something that somebody force them to do. Neither would be good and after doing this show I would not be comfortable living in either place. (laughs) Uh, Prior to doing this show I probably would have been more comfortable with the latter. Okay. Um, But having heard all of the stories that we have heard on this show from scenarios just like that and the entities that are still around and the energy that's still around yeah, I, neither would really be all that great. I think the the only scenario where I'd be really okay with it is if it was just like a natural death. Yeah, you know, like oh, she was old. She lived here. She collect, uh, you know, she she collected porcelain elephants and she died watching Maury. You know, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I just still don't want Grandma with her porcelain elephants to show up. <laughs> Well, I mean, you don't really have a lot of that. I mean, sometimes you do, but I mean, that's if you're looking for the haunt or for the the least likelihood of a haunting, that's probably it right there in a death scenario. Just, you know, she had her life. She lived to be old. She had her stuff. You know, as long as she was a happy person, she's probably not going to be hanging out at the apartment anymore. Yeah, probably so. I would be cool with that one. Yeah. And there's no law that says you have to tell if someone died in that apartment either. No. 
which is interesting. So I wonder, I mean, it makes me wonder if some of the apartments I've lived in, if someone has died in there. This was one apartment building I lived in that was a lot of old people in it. Like I had old teachers that were like across the hall from me. Uh-huh. There was like the, uh, the woman who gave, um, uh, uh, like private lessons for like piano and stuff in my grade school. Uh-huh. And she was an old lady back then. And she was an even older lady when she was living across the hall from me. Yeah. Mrs. Jacoby. <laughs> and I still referred to her as Mrs. You know, like just as I called her in school uh, as an adult. And she was a real nice old lady. Um, I think she's passed on since I, I lived across the hall from her. Um, but there was a lot of just older folks there that, you know, passed away. And that was a fairly old apartment building. So I have to almost imagine maybe it had happened in my... The other thing that kind of sucked about that apartment building was everybody had their TVs up really loud. Oh, I'm sure. It was nursing home-esque. Oh. It, and then there I was. It was weird. I, I lived at the end of the apartment hall, and I was a fairly quiet individual in my apartment. And then there was an apartment right next to my wall. And there was another young person in there that, again, I actually had known from high school. Mm-hmm. And just, it was more of an acquaintance. We weren't like good friends or anything, but I saw him one day and he had a huge beard. He looked homeless almost. I'm like, are you so-and-so? And And I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass him because the next part of the story is pretty horrible. Um, But... uh, I think I know where this is going. I had my my office was um, the other bedroom in the apartment. Uh And the adjoining wall on the opposite wall was, I guess, his bedroom. Oh. You know where the story is going? I'm pretty sure. They didn't insulate those walls very well. Oh, no. And I don't know if he was unemployed or what was going on, but I swear to God, I worked weird hours for working in radio. I think I was working nights at the time, so I was home during the day a lot. Yeah. Um, so maybe he was just working odd hours, too. I don't know. I was like 21 or 22. And, uh, yeah. Maybe Try, that's how he was making his money, was he's making, making porn. videos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting in there trying to record stuff, and then all of a sudden you hear that. Oh. I mean, it, it sounded, I mean, if you were in the other, if you were like in the living room, you would swear to God these people were in the bedroom. Wow. In your own apartment. That's how thin the walls were. And it was disturbing. Because <laughs> it, it's like, I knew him as like a fairly like kind of wholesome kid. I didn't like know this side of him and you hear like everything and like the weird shit they're shouting out at each other and she was not a attractive woman either and he kind of looked like a homeless man that lived behind the dumpster of Lowe's it was really really so, disturbing it, back to our original question <laughs> I think that may be Maybe worse than what was the original question? It had to do with death and oh, what would you pick? The uh, yeah, I'd pick the old lady with the elephants. Oh, I think either would be better than what you just described. <laughs> you take the suicide victims over the the acquaintance from high school doing it in the apartment next to you. Could be. <laughs> that was haunting enough. It still haunts my dreams. 
And we'll leave our listeners with that. There you go. If you like the show, please subscribe. Press the subscribe button. Become an EPP as well. You get a bonus episode of the show every single week. And, of course, you get access to 21 bonus episodes instantly with some of our best stories on. Exclusive stuff, not on the regular episodes, just for our EPPs. You guys support the show. You keep it on the air. It's only five bucks a month. And we thank you so much for that support. Check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time. Pleasant thoughts of high school acquaintances doing it in the apartment next door. For Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. Hear that? Oh, that's what it sounded like. I'm just kidding. <laughs>